This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Karen. Yes. Hi. Is this, is this an ad? <laughs> no. Can I talk to you about a food delivery system? <laughs> it's called your mouth and it's it delivers called, food. It's called your hand. It's called your hand to your mouth. Fork. And we're advertising that today. Deliver that shit. <laughs> Put into your mouth. Hi, welcome to My Favorite Murder. Hi, welcome to My Favorite Murder. That's Karen. <laughs> Hi, that's Karen. And that's Georgia. And you're, yeah. Yes. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks for tuning in. Um, oh, it's a late one tonight. It's a late night. It's kind of, uh, it's a sultry, hot Los Angeles night. We have to record late because of my work. We've got some mood lighting that's actually not mood. It's just lighting. It's just, it's just a bit of lighting. It's just pure lighting. We've got an Unsolved Mysteries paused on the TV, Oh, shit, which I forgot I like. to turn that off. It looks like decoration, kind of. Can you get, okay, so it's paused on, like, a woman walking through a graveyard. She's very 80s. She's got feathered hair and like a black flowy dress and she looks very forlorn. What but do you she's think? also, her dress is belted and she's got a great waist. Yeah. She's jealous of that. She waist. looks amazing and she clearly put on a lot of blue eyeshadow before she went out. You had to back then. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like your way of saying, hey, I'm out here. Cars don't run me over. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm single. I'm super sad, but I'm also like living my life. Yeah. You know, just because I'm at the cemetery doesn't mean I'm not going to bring right. it 100. Right. I'm not saying they didn't have in the 80s. They didn't. I'm not a mess. I always wonder, like, what, what would happen if you went back in time, went to the 80s and then, like, use the sayings from today? Would people think you're cool or insane? Or from Germany. Right. Those are the only three choices. How are you? I would like to go back to the 80s. And just tell myself, just relax a little bit. Oh, my God. You don't have to talk so much. <laughs> yeah. That's I would all. like to say, stop fucking caring. Stop caring. You can't do that, though, when you're a teen. No. Yeah, there's too many chemicals in your brain. But I was in, I was in elementary school, and I wish I'd stop caring. Oh. I went to a new psychiatrist this week and she did this thing where she like asked me questions for like a half an hour, which I love, but they were all questions where I had to be like, yeah, I guess I do feel like I had to admit a lot of shit. And yeah. like I had it, she's like, and when you were a kid, how did I, how did you feel? And I'm like, 
Well, I guess I hated myself. Like I had to be like, <laughs> yeah, you delayed all on the line. To this woman I just met, yeah, it was like this nice older woman, like old nice lady who ignored me completely when I was like, well, my sex drive's kind of down. She was just like <laughs> moving on to the next <laughs> part. Like not. She was like, I'm not talking about that. Wow. Well, she was Armenian too. Like, so I think she was just this like kind of proper nice Armenian woman. What if she was like, here's the thing, we're going to cure that sex drive. It's yeah. going to be out of you entirely. You're going to be balls deep and fucking... <laughs> oh no, she, I was thinking the opposite where she was just like, we're going to... That's all we're going to concentrate on. Is oh, she's like, we're saving that for its own day. Yeah. Separate sex day. Yeah. God, I'd love to hear about that when it happens. Sex day? Yeah. I mean, today's... Right now is sex day. Is it? Oh, you got the cure? <laughs> I don't know what that meant. Um, I don't either. I'm just trying to improv your sex talk. <laughs> Here, look, here's the first thing I need to tell you, Stephen, and everybody in America. Okay. Of course there are Italian Jews. I know. Of course there are Italian we Jews. We knew that. We were kidding. I mean, I don't, I, I think I was just kind of wondering aloud, but man, did the Italian Jews come out in droves to let me know that they exist. Me too. And I have to quote, oh, fuck, I don't have her name, but someone wrote, of course there are Italian Jews. I'm one of them. Think of us as um as the pizza bagels of religion. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that was or is that racist. Well, if she's the one saying yeah. it and it's her thing, doesn't she get to describe herself however she wants? And also it's like, well, you're talking about a bagel, which is a Jewish thing, you're talking about pizza, which is an Italian thing, you know, traditionally. And so it's not like it's Yes, it totally makes sense. Anyways, go on. It is a logical joke. Let me backtrack. And it's a good joke. Steven. Uh, So, yeah, that's, I mean, we might need to cut Corrections Corner out entirely. (laughs) It keeps going this direction. The Corrections Corner is that we're cutting out Corrections Corner. Here's the correction we need to make. We need to stop talking about it. Um, No, but this was a real, real good email that Steven just gave me. Uh, subject line is my dad was John Orr's partner. So this was, I think, from two episodes mm-hmm. ago. John Orr was the uh, arsonist, arson investigator in Glendale, California. Mm-hmm. It was Glendale, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so here's this email. Howdy, hey, howdy, hey. Mm. That's the greeting. So I'm driving to work and I have been listening to your podcast from the beginning. I hadn't listened in a few days and I started off with the mini episode and you started mentioning John Orr. My mouth dropped open and suddenly I was in a car searching for the podcast where you talk about the arsonist John Orr and I couldn't believe it. You were talking about a man who I grew up with. Uh, who was my dad's partner at the fire station. My dad worked for the Glendale Police Department and the two were paired up so that they would have a police officer and a fireman to investigate possible fires that had been started by arsonists. They were partners for six to ten years and we knew John and his family. The entire time he had been setting fires right under my dad's nose. My dad does recall that there were times when my dad was the one who was on call for the weekend in case of any any fires were suspicious they were on call most of the time and would race to the scene of the fire and most of the time John would show up saying things like I thought you might need my help Uh my dad would get so annoyed um, but we know but we now know why he was there my dad and a few of the men with some of the 10 people uh 
with some of the 10 people you spoke of were board members of the CCAI, California Conference of Arson Investigators, who attended oh all God. of the arson seminars in Fresno, in Monterey. And as a matter of fact, they were once John's peers. As I was listening to your podcast, I just wanted to scream and say, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And I so badly wish I could have called in. That would be <laughs> played a call-in show. Yeah, we gotta do one episode where I have a call-in. I mean, that's no, so hilarious. Just someone screaming, <laughs> screaming. I know that is. Um, there was so much to this entire story. My dad stopped being his partner before he was caught and arrested. Um, my dad did have to testify against him and was investigated because John oh, Orr was his partner. Shit. You spoke of him possibly being a psychopath. And I recall my dad telling me different stories about how in um, different situations, oh, how indifferent he would act toward different things. So I think there's something to that, a definite lack of empathy. I've never seen the forensic thing. files on his story. And I remember when the movie was released, of course, no one in my family saw it. The book you spoke of was really disheartening because the man who wrote it mentions my dad several times uh, because John spoke of my dad. Mm. John and the author were not kind. The author of the book never once spoke to my dad. And most of the book is John's opinion. <laughs> he is a psycho and deserves to be locked up in jail for the rest of his life. Oh, I think he is C crazy because I never thought that there would be anything that would speak of. Um. Oh, that you would speak of that would have anything to do with me at all. And so you bring up the one story that I could say anything about. Uh, I went to work and told everyone the story. Still, my jaws dropped open. You left me speechless. Rock on with your bad selves and don't play with matches. <laughs> That's all hugs from the sexy murderino tea. Oh, my God. I love it. That's hilarious. That's crazy. I what mean, are the fucking chances? Well, also, I mean, as we now know, pretty much everyone we talk to, Everybody ha is one, oh, basically yeah. one step away from a murderer, murderer experience like In that. In my story tonight, there's there's a murderino involvement. Really? Yeah. Which that, is like so exciting. That's very cool. Um, I wanted to tell you, speaking of one step away and hand to mouth consumption. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you did the Zanku chicken murders a while back. Yeah. And uh, say there a couple nights ago or a while back, Vince got Zanku chicken and we of course got extra and saved the fucking amazing garlic sauce that they give you with it. That's like fucking known all over the city. I made a martini with it. And with I the went, garlic sauce? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly it was after one martini. <laughs> and then How I was, was it? Huh? It was good. <laughs> I mean, it was gross. It was good. It was gross. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to picture it. Was it like floating inside the martini? No, no, no. I like, I like stirred it up really well. So it was like a garlic infused martini. Oh, okay. With a fucking garlic stuffed olive with it. Well, that sounds good. I drank, it was like a dirty martini, but with Zanku chicken garlic sauce. Kind of strong tasting, yeah, I would imagine. It was good. I like garlic. Because that sauce is, I mean, Dude. you taste it for days after you Yeah. Eat it. You belch that for fucking days. Good for you, though. Just want to let you know. I love it. Anything else? You have any corrections corners, merch corner, show corner? I don't know. Show corner, Stephen? St let Stephen do. Hold on. Before Stephen does the merch corner, I mean the show corner announcement, which is an exciting announcement. Mm -hmm. I just want to bring up the hilarious person who mentioned on Twitter yesterday or today. Hey, don't you think Stephen kind of sounds like Tina Belcher? <laughs> And I could not stop laughing. And then a barrage of people were sending gifts of Tina Belcher yeah. going like, yeah, baby. Oh, and my God. It was so hilarious. Let me hear it. Tell me about it. Stud. 
okay, well, Stephen, I want to hear your do your normal voice because I want to picture it. But tell us about the show, and, but also talk about butts. No, yeah, butts all the time. No, no <laughs> accents or anything. Uh, yeah, I hear it. I fucking hear it. I totally fucking okay. hear it. Sure. Uh, and I can hear it in my head too. Where you guys are going to Boulder, Colorado? Yeah. Uh, August twenty sixth. So we're doing the show in Denver um, for the. Uh, High Plains Comedy yeah. Festival. And then the next night, we're like, fuck it. Let's go to fucking Boulder. We're going to Mork and Mindy's town. It's Is a that town- where they're from? Yeah, that's where the opening shot of Mork and Mindy after the opening so- credits was that, was that shot of the mountain that's right behind oh. the city center. And I was always fascinated by that when I was a kid. Like, it looked like the coolest little city right under a mountain, basically. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. Boulder's cool. It's like, it's kind of like Austin. Oh, yeah, it's really cool. And when do they, do we know if there's a pre-sale or any kind of uh, info? It'll go on sale the day the episode comes out. So today, Thursday. Oh, cool. There'll be a link online. Yay! Go okay. to the website myfavoritemurder.com slash live. Yeah. Okay. There Beautiful. you go. And we're supposed to tease, and I feel like it is really fucking fun. We're planning a big old tour for like September through. December or January? I think September through February. Fuck. It's a big long one and yeah. we're coming to lots of cities, lots of people who have said, why won't you come to my city or I know you hate my city. We but didn't want to come. tell you at the time. We're like, we're coming. Yeah, because we didn't know for sure, but yeah. we've gone over it. There's, it's a lot. So hopefully some people will be excited that maybe yeah. have felt snubbed in the past. Yeah. Sorry, Des Moines. We're still not, you're not on the list yet, but you will be someday. No, <laughs> When you will you learn to not <laughs> point out one city that's now it's like the mayor of Des Moines never is it Des Moines or Des Moines Steven Des Moines I I bet it's Des Moines (laughs) Tina put his hand straight up into the air I'm singing the song the one song that I know that brings up the I think it's Des Moines Des Moines singular yeah yeah I think so too okay uh, go to my favorite murder shirts.com if you want merch or you know do that do those things Man, this is a short fucking intro. We're getting right into it. It's a late night. Let's just do it. It is a late night. All right. This is a skipper's dream show. (laughs) Come on. You don't even have to skip. Steven, (laughs) who's first? It's you. Oh. Uh, uh, Am I right? Uh, 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 yeah, you you've been on it. Woo! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I not good enough? You're not good enough. This is the episode where we tell you that. <laughs> but this but we're going to do it subtly through me naming who goes first. <laughs> I know it's tough to hear. I mean, I've always known. <laughs> it's like you're not telling elementary school Georgia anything new. Oh no. <laughs> Let her come out. I want to speak to 11-year-old Georgia right now. Okay. Tell her to tell that psychiatrist that you want to talk about sex ASAP. (laughs) Is that creepy to talk about? I feel like I'm my own mom when your mom talks about sex and you're like, what? My mom, Janet, what? I'm young. My mom, being the nurse, she'd always be like, girls, it's natural. And we'd just be like, ew, you you sound like a drag queen. She sounds like a douche commercial. (laughs) It was totally like, a woman's body is, the the chemicals in a woman's body are very special. Women get need have needs and wants to <laughs> get me out of this what about carpool when you call it the female orgasm <laughs> <laughs> there's something about the race the female orgasm the female orgasm has a little pink bow on the side oh it's a 
adorable and quiet and it's just easy and it mo- smells like baby powder moving on <laughs> and then you gotta move on from the and we just move on from the real orgasm that's right the man orgasm the, and we don't even call it the man orgasm that's right it's just the, it's orgasm. the orgasm but the oh, female God. rise up <clears throat> let's talk about a woman who got killed now oh, okay boo. <laughs> all right okay so the other night i couldn't sleep and as always i click on any fucking article that is about some kind of case or murder or horrible thing that's gonna make me not be able to sleep yep which i already can't do right um so i found one called the 18 creepy murder cases you've never heard of that'll fuck you up on buzzfeed and <laughs> oh i read that did you i well i read one that was uh murder cases that you've never heard before because i always love to read them and be like i've heard of that's exactly i was heard of just it. gonna say oh yeah try me i was i always do this heard of it heard of it. or like when it's like the craziest like 911 call murders and it's like i fucking knew that one and it's not that crazy <laughs> and then you, you have, don't know what crazy is then you have the assholes in the comments that I was like, he forgot this murder. And it's like, they didn't forget it. They didn't fucking put it in because it's not that, you know. Yes. So it's almost like no matter what is, ha- whoever's coming toward that article is going to be an asshole. About like we it. are. <laughs> yes, exactly. And us leading the pack. But shout out because at least half of them I didn't know. So this is from 18 creepy murder cases you've never heard of. That'll fuck you up. <laughs> okay. I almost did one Shut off up. of this list. I swear to God. And at the last minute, I just didn't do <gasps> You're it. Like, this one's boring. I, but go I, ahead. I live for the week. We do the same murder. God damn I it. know. What <laughs> happens? The world explodes. It's just, we're, it'll be a ton of laughing. And then we'll like, I don't know. We'll do something totally different. And we'll never we do the should, podcast again. What if Steven, st- here it is. Steven, at some point in your job, that you are now currently being yeah. paid for. Yeah. You write up two murders and you keep them in a file in your big pa- backpack. <laughs> and then if there's a day ever comes yeah. where we do the same murder, you pull out the two mystery no. murders and, a, and then we have to read those. No, because just, I... Go ahead. No, just from like zero, like you're just like, here you go. Yep. Yeah. You guys are good to go. No, but I love the idea of us doing the same murder. We'd crack the fuck up. We'd freak the fuck out. Like, how did we both know this? I guess you're right. We'd just do it simultaneously as opposed to one after the other. It would just be like paragraph by paragraph. I think it'd be so fun. I think people who don't like our speech patterns would hate us, but I think it'd be really fun. I do too. I'm like looking forward to it. Okay, Stephen, cancel that assignment. (laughs) And instead, could you just pre-prepare others? Yeah. You know what, Stephen? You know what I want you to do? I want you to fucking get like one of those I want you to get like party supplies like loud making party supplies glitter thing and the day that we have the same murder I want you to fucking shoot glitter at us and blow one of those blow you know and like put a party hat on all of us you know what that means Steven that means since you never know when it could happen you always have to have a pocket full of glitter and a blower in your other pocket party hats for all of us Oh, wow. he, he's reaching in his back right now. <laughs> oh my god, he had it. You, it, I wish you guys could see Steven's backpack. Oh my god, it is the biggest backpack I've ever seen. Yeah. It's a Jan Sport. I think it's standard sized, but there's something about what Steven yeah. carries in it or whatever he's doing that it honestly looks like it. It looks like a four year old baby. And Mimi could fit in there. And it's one of those ones that you see on like the late night news. Like, is is your kid's backpack screwing up its back? Turn, <laughs> tune in it. 
11 to find out. I love that they would call the kid it. <laughs> and screwing up. <laughs> that's, the, that's the news I want to watch. Screwing up its back. Maybe you should get rid of it. What a pain in the ass that thing is. Jesus, it's going to have back problems now. Just like you, you fucking asshole. Why are you repro- reproducing? Why did you reproduce? Wow, that's Your a long weak segment. spine child. Can we cut that segment a little bit short? <laughs> Fine. No, I mean the news. No, I know. Okay. Not you. I was continuing the improv, but I went too real with my character. And then I always blur the line like that. I meant like, okay. (laughs) Not you. Never you. We should never you. Always us. Always the news. Always the news characters. It's always their problem. If we took one improv class, imagine how annoying we would be. (laughs) Imagine how we would heighten and expand. Yes. And And we'd lose so many listeners. (laughs) Okay, let's play zip zaps off and then we'll start. <laughs> oh, no. You know, like one, maybe one third of the fucking listeners understood that. Yes. And I don't know. I think uh, improv off? and comedy are taking over the world. I think it's required now. Yeah. That if you're 24, you've graduated from college, you don't have a job, <laughs> you bored. have to take a class at you UCB. You learn well in group settings. Yeah. You kind of feel lost and you're like, well, I need. I need a circle of dudes to stand in. Yeah. <laughs> and one woman, one token woman yep. to objectify. Who's really funny. Who's really funny, but she doesn't, she's not super hot and doesn't <laughs> so wear skirts. You, you might have to wait to see her for a while. Yeah. So she's like a bro. So I just keep doing improv scenes where I have to touch her butt. <laughs> what is happening? What character are you now? <laughs> is it the same news anchor? Yes. That guy's fucked up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Now let's get into murder. Now let's please. All right. So 18 Creepy Murders, blah, blah, blah. Thanks, Bud Fleet, because you helped me a lot. Karen, Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Okay. This is a really fucked up case that I'd really never heard of. Okay. And I was shocked because it's fucking crazy. So it's okay. Early 70s, a woman named Susan Reinert. She's a pretty kind of mousy looking 30 something year old English teacher at Upper Marion Area High School. In the mainline suburbs. Oh, by the way, this is called the mainline murders. God okay. Damn it. That's okay. Just open with that. It's about 20 minutes from Philadelphia. Susan is married with two children and she's having an affair. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> with the chair of the English with department. With a chair? No. <laughs> like Clint Eastwood in like, that speech he gave? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Remember how I was screaming at the chair and my psychologist recently? She's having an affair with that chair. Oh my I God. She's really... doing role play with yeah. a chair and it, then it got out of hand and she's like, I'm, I'm going to fuck this chair. Yeah. Got serious. She left her husband for the chair. We, we, Stephen, we have to pull all of this out. <laughs> No worries. She's not dead yet. So okay. it's okay. Um, all right. So imagine at a high school, just picture the chair of the English department. Okay. Tweed vest. Tweed vest in the seventies, heavy beard, the very large beard and maybe some, um, like aviator shaped glasses yes. that are indoor outdoor. What do you call those transition lens? Yes. Glasses. And, and Susan herself, there's like not a lot of photos of her, but she's like cute and mousy. And you can tell she's kind of probably soft spoken. And she has these, the, like the eyeglasses that are just take up half of her face. Yes. They're like saucers on her face. Right. Which like looks cute. And it's like cool. And it's very 70s. is like, yeah, maybe just when contact lenses started, when the contact lenses were as big as glasses frame, yes. glasses lenses anyway. <laughs> you just had to cram them in your yeah, eyeball. You were just shoving huge things. And they're made of glass. Back when. <laughs> 
If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. <laughs> is that true? Can you tell Maybe. Me? <laughs> it was when if it fell out at a party, people could help you find it. Yeah. That's how big they were. I was always proud of myself how good I was at finding my mom's contacts when they such a weird those that so era just is gone okay um so she's boning her fuck the chair of the english department so He's, you're saying mousy and whatever you're judging on that picture sounds to me like she's a real go-getter yeah i mean she's not afraid yeah. sidling up to the english department chair and, and being cheating like, on her husband may i speak to you in my private quarters yeah but i think here's the thing oh. i think he's a ted bundy type this English department chair. Yeah. Ugh, His okay. name. Okay. So then he might have been sorry, but yes. he might have been going toward her then. Yeah. Okay. And she's having an affair. She has two children. Mm. Um, mm. His name is Bill Bradford. The guy. Nope. His name is Bill Bra- Bla- Bradfield. Okay. His name is Bill Bradfield. I'm going to call him Bill. Okay. Okay. So Susan is the woman. Bill's the fucking creep. English department head. And he's super charismatic and charming. He's described by some of the other teachers as a pseudo-intellectual who was, quote, full of himself. Oh. 
So he's like a Ted Bundy charming. He's like 10 years older than her. She's swept off her feet by him. And she's just like, probably like, I've never felt. She's never had a female orgasm until she met him. I bet you. <laughs> For a second, I thought that was in the BuzzFeed article. I was just like, huh? <laughs> Wait, what? what? Uh, also, I'm- if he's a pseudo intellectual, I bet you he carried a pipe around with him. Pipe, tweed, uh, elbow pads. Some kind of thing, transition lenses, a heavy cologne. I bet he put like oil in his beard. Yeah, you know, cultivated his beard, really trimmed it up every morning, and (laughs) he probably had like really expensive whiskey. Right, and he had a book of uh, erotic Chinese lithographs that he would invite people (laughs) over to look at. Like, how are we so good at this? At like just (laughs) describing someone. I feel like we've lived past lives in the (laughs) seventies, and we're really pissed off about what we were subjected to, dude. Okay, and I agree. Enough already with this, <laughs> us having to deal with these people. Enough. Enough. All right. By March 79, Susan leaves, has left her husband, and she tells her friends that Bill, pseudo-intellectual, is going to marry her. Oh. They're engaged. So she's, she's truly in love. She's madly in love with him. Okay. Obsessed. So much so, Karen, oh. that she gives him $25,000 when he tells her that he has a crazy great investment opportunity. 12% gains. It's only going to be six months and I need it in cash. Damn, Susan. Okay. She gives him $25,000 to invest. She has two children. Oh. And, and back then, what was that? Oh my Almost God. Almost $100,000. Yeah. Oh. And her kids, Karen is Hi. 11. Mm-hmm. Hi, Karen. Hi. You're 11. Don't, you're not 11. You're, it's not you. Karen's 11. Michael's 10. So she has like two young children. She's giving this dude money. Um, and are you ready for this? She makes him the beneficiary of her life insurance policy. This is not going to go well. Worth. How much do you think a life insurance policy for this woman would be? $250,000? So over $700,000. Oh, no. Yeah. She cuts her children out of the life insurance policy. And she changes her will to make him, Bill, the sole heir. Heir? Nope. No. Heir to her estate. <laughs> so... Okay, so she's she's getting a number run on her hard she's, core. It sounds like she's pretty naive, you know. It's like a small suburb in Pennsylvania. She's an English teacher. She's not all the things that I wanted to be real for her are probably not true. She like she's got her, uh, she as my dad likes to say she got her bell rung by this oh guy. Oh my god, you're right. Like the guy that it's that thing where and it's a really good trick that scumbags use where it's that thing of like they pick out people that yeah. they know don't get certain kinds of attention and then they slather you with that kind of attention so that you're kind of like, oh, he's picking me of all people yeah, in the world. I've never felt this way before. Yeah. Ugh. And I mean, fine, get your bell rung and shit, but like at the cost of your children, your don't adjust children. the will. No, don't adjust the will for no. your sweet English chair side piece. And she wrote in it like, um, to like, who's the beneficiary? What's his relation? Like my intended husband, like she fucking really thought this guy was going to marry her. Yeah. So she didn't know that bill of course was living with another woman for years. Also a teacher at the same school. So he's just fucking getting his harem, which they did call it that. Did she, and she didn't know, that at all i think i think he was like we're roommates there's no sexual relation you know like i think something like that happened okay it's really hard this took me a long time because of course like all of these crazy really interesting murders there's just fucking pieces that 
you just keep finding yeah and are, there's not a lot of information on them okay um he also had at least two at least two other girlfriends one of which was an 18 year old former student of his so yeah Yes. So the $25,000 he had said was for investing had gone into a safe deposit box put in there by one of his girlfriends. Um, and the term was ending soon. So she was expecting her money soon. Okay. What's going to happen? Bad things. Mo- yes. The night of June 22nd, 1979. So we're in 1979. Susan and the kids, uh, and Karen and Michael, they're... Uh, planning on meeting Bill. It's like a night of a crazy hailstorm. A neighbor saw them leaving their house just after 9 p.m. And the neighbor happens to be the aunt of a murderino. What? I fucking, <gasps> I went into the My Favorite Murder email account, put in the name of this thing, and out comes like five emails. And one of them, the chick was like, you've got to look this fucking email up. Her name is Gina A., um, she says that her mom, so Gina wasn't born yet, but her mom was the next door neighbor of this family. Ooh. And she and her sister used to babysit Karen and Michael. Oh. And that her, that Gina's great grandmother swore that she heard screaming the night they left, which is never confirmed. But the aunt and the great grandma saw, were the last people to see them leaving the house. Oh my God. Yeah. So at that point, Susan and her kids vanish. But then, Three days later, thank you, Gina A., for writing in, by the way. Yeah. Um, three days later, June 25th, 1979, it's like almost exactly a year ago. No. Yep. Well, well, not a year ago. I meant, okay. I know what you meant. Stephen. <laughs> Stephen, help us. I meant 30 years ago. Is that right? No. Is that, yes, 30 years ago. Yes. No. 30, no. 20, it's 2017. Eight. It'll be 30 in two years. That's exactly the kind of math I can't do. (laughs) Me too. And every other kind of math. (laughs) And geometry? And everything. Oh, man. I even told my psychiatrist about that yesterday that I just can't do math. Did you have a math shutdown in high school? I had math shut down my whole life. I had to get sent to a hypnotist about because my math was got so crazy. A hypnotist isn't going to help you? Well, my mother had some ideas about about the female orgasm and about (laughs) hypnosis. (laughs) did it help she was very uh she was a very uh spiritual she was she was like um new agey a touch new agey but then but from a a registered nurse background you know what i mean right like i've seen results these are the things i've seen results in good for her i fucking meant to talk to you about this documentary i watched about a cult uh over the weekend but i forgot okay next time okay anywho (laughs) hypnotists okay the kids disappear three days later (laughs) a year ago june 25th 1979 yep a man calls the police about a quote sick woman in the trunk of the car of a car in the parking lot of the host inn in swarta township pennsylvania it's about 90 miles from susan's home and in the trunk of her own car, which was an orange, I wrote this down for you, an orange Plymouth Hor- Horizon hatchback. Mm-hmm. Did you ride in, which is like such an 80s, Did 70s you ride car. in one of those? A Plymouth Horizon hatchback. I feel like orange. I can see what that is. Yeah. 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 Um, so she's in the back of, in the hatchback and her body is found there. Oh, she was nude. Susan was nude. She had been severely beaten 
She had two black eyes. She was bound with a chain so tightly that the chains left bruises on her back. And she was killed with an injection of morphine. Um, and it had been 24 to 36 hours after the beating in which she had been killed. Mm. And there was no sign of her children. Oh. Yeah. So, obviously, Bill, the fucking teacher, or English guy, was the main suspect once the investigators found out about the affair, which he had been denying to everyone and saying wasn't true. And they found out about the money, but he had an alibi for that weekend that she went missing. He was at the beach in Cape May, New Jersey, uh, with a bunch of other teachers, and they all vouched for his whereabouts. Yeah, but even if even if he wasn't nearby in that exact same time, why would she leave you as the beneficiary on her will if you weren't having an affair, or if there's no connection to you? But they but they were at that point were like, yeah, he was like he was. I, I don't think he ever denied it to the police that they were lying. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah, just around town. Yeah, got it. Got just it. like to the other teachers and got stuff. Got it. Got it. Um, but he was out of town, um, and after a couple of years, there's still not enough evidence to charge him with Susan's death and the missing children. Okay, but there was enough evidence for prosecutors to charge Bill with theft by deception because of the $25,000 she had given him in what turned out to be a bogus investment. Oh. So they were like, we know he fucking had something to do with her disappear or murder. We can't charge him for that. Let's just bring him in for this for now. So 72 hours before his trial was supposed to begin, from his jail cell... Bill files a claim to collect Susan's life insurance money that was left to him. Sorry, what's this? <laughs> there are so many twists and turns in this fucking thing. It's he insane. sends a stamped envelope out in yeah. a bird's mouth out the <laughs> jail cell window. I, I did read conflicting things that he was actually not in jail yet, but he was or he wasn't. But like, what kind of fucking idiot right before this would be like, but you know what you should add on to those charges? Yeah. If I just get that money real quick, I'll be able to plea. Um, and so the the uh, the jury finds him guilty, obviously. And in 1981, he's sentenced to up to two years in jail for the twenty five thousand um, dollars. And then during this time, police are also investigating someone else. So here's okay. Let's switch fucking. Let's go to another fucking weird thing happening. Okay. Principal of the high school where Susan and Bill were teaching. The principal is Dr. J. Smith. I'm going to call him Principal Smith from now on so we know who he is. Okay. He's a 50-year-old dude, and he was known as the, quote, quote, creepy school principal. (laughs) So this dude's a fucking creep. Principal Smith, absolute creep. (laughs) Teachers jokingly called him the Prince of Darkness. Oh, wow. That's a joke. Yeah, that is funny. funny joke. That's funny. What's your nickname? (laughs) Oh, me? Oh, it's a devil joke. Um, the Prince of Darkness. Because I'm so lighthearted. Because I'm, I love to be around children, and I am of the devil. I have goat <laughs> eyes and a cape. It's a thing of like when you uh, go to a doctor's office and you fill out your thing, and it's like, what name do you like to be? What like? Do you have a nickname that you want to be called? Yeah, Prince M- of Darkness. Marty. Marty. <laughs> or Prince oh, of Mar- Darkness. I didn't even think. Not your dad. Not your dad. I go by Marty. <laughs> Uh, okay, but, um, okay. So this is my favorite fucking thing in the entire world. Ready for the best quote you've ever heard? Yes. So crime writer Joseph Wamba wrote a book about the whole case called Echoes in the Darkness, which is like same guy that wrote the John Orr book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This guy, he was a cop and he was like, goodbye. I'm going to go make a ton of money instead. Yeah. Yeah. So he in the book says, 
that, quote, some thought that Jay Smith, the principal, looked like an obscene phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Can you even? Have you ever heard a better description of someone? That's fucking genius. I know. And amazing. He looked like an obscene phone call. So he's like, what? He's like, I picture like shoulders up around the ears, kind of like wringing his hands, like... Greasy hair, yeah, big thick glasses. Oh man, Uh, he looked like an obscene phone call. That's amazing. I want to go ahead and that was that's beautiful. Congratulations, Joseph Wamba (laughs) or John Joseph. Um, Joseph, yeah. Okay, so he's known to be eccentric, eccentric and a weird man, often sitting in his office during school hours wearing only his underwear, no, which that's you could get away with <laughs> in the fucking 70s. It's not allowed. You can't in. do that. Mary Lou, can you take these papers? Principal Smith, you're not allowed to be here anymore. I'm just hot. I'm I, hot. It's winter. It's hot in here. <laughs> it's it's the dead of winter, Principal Smith, and it's midnight. Well, I'm the Prince of Darkness, so I'm just constantly sweating. <laughs> and it's midnight. Why did you call me in? <laughs> Why did you call me in from home? Yeah, because I'm the Prince of Darkness. Okay, there's rumors around town that Principal Smith had devil worship sex parties and had burned bodies in the school incinerator and very chopped up body parts. So I guess they were building a school pool at this time. And so people are like, he's fucking burying bodies under where they're building the pool. So they'll be hidden forever. I just have to say that both of those rumors that you just named sound like they came out straight out of the third grade classroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, but what if he's they're cutting true? up bodies? Yeah. He's a, he has occult <laughs> sex parties. And everyone's like, that's not a thing. I mean, people fucking swap and bone, but like, yeah, there's no occult. Se- like nobody wants to have an cult sex party no but he is sitting what's worse and harder to face is he literally is sitting in his underwear during school hours like that part's true so who cares if the others isn't you don't need to make up satanic parties when the principal's sitting in his underwear in his office like enough come on like don't your parents are gonna be like but that's okay about any of it um okay so but dr principal smith's own kid Stephanie Hunsberger and her husband Edward disappeared in early 1978, like a year before Susan went missing. Um, they were reportedly heroin addicts. They fucking disappeared out of nowhere and they were assumed they had left on their own because they were drug, a- drug addicts, but till this day they've never been seen again. Wow. So people assumed. They're in the pool too? Yeah. Whoa. Um, so a year before Susan's body is found, Principal Smith is caught trying to break into cars in a mall parking lot. The principal <laughs> what the fuck? is trying to break into cars in a mall parking lot. <sighs> um, and on him are four loaded guns, as well as silencer made from an oil can, <laughs> oil filter, a tranquilizing drug, and, quote, a hood with two slits for the eyes. No. Yep. What are those called? Cavit. Balaclava, that's not a balaclava, though. Thank you. Uh, I can never get that. (laughs) Thank you for your input. I can never get that fucking word. (laughs) It's, you know why it's weird, but I always think of Balenciaga, the designer. But uh, a hood with two eye slits is more zodiac-y. Yeah. Because a balaclava, like, sticks to your face as, like, a ski mask. And you have an opening for the mouth, too, right? (gasps) Yes. You're right. And also, it's just more devil devil worshipy. Yeah, but how do you breathe through that? I guess just slowly and you stay calm with your tranquilizer in your pocket sure. and if your you're, four fucking guns. <laughs> if you're a sociopath, you're not panicking. Right. That's right. All right. So 
when his house is searched, police find swinger publications, Ooh. bestiality porn, mm. and chains and locks. Oh, that's his- just a safety thing. He has a ton of bikes. <laughs> <laughs> He loves bicycling. You know what? You're probably right. Let's go back and exonerate. <laughs> bicycling Did in they a find it? How, They didn't say how many bikes they found. So let's hear the whole story. Like, don't just... Principal Smith's wife, he has a wife. She's like... I mean... Here, I'm going to do her voice. Um, well, he had a double costume and he had a collection of dildos. <laughs> like, that's what Mrs. Principal Smith said. Maureen Smith? Maureen Smith. Maureen, you need to face the facts. Maureen, this isn't normal. Have you ever had a female orgasm? Well, this episode's going to be called Female Orgasm. I've heard of them. Well, I have heard tell. Those are, those are um, what's it called? Those are made up. Those are fictional. Those are none of my business. Principal Smith, she calls him Principal Smith, <laughs> told me <laughs> that that's just, a, it's a feminist movement where they're trying to get you to have sex. Principal Smith told me. <laughs> Wait, Maureen, do you call your husband Principal Smith? Wait, it's what he asked on our wedding night. <laughs> he was in the devil's costume. <laughs> if the devil tells me to do something. All right. She's suddenly from the South. Okay. <laughs> That accent has to get weirder as, yes. you, as well, you talk like Maureen Smith. Out of her mind. Yeah. Okay. They also find a fake Brink security badge, which they later, t- which they tied to a $50,000 armed robbery at Sears a year earlier. So okay. he was using his fake fucking costume and his fucking security badge and guns and fucking holding up Sears for 50 grand. Like, why does Sears have that much money there? Uh, the popcorn's amazing. Okay. Um, but also maybe he's like, maybe that's why he needed to cool off in his office with no pants on. He was like c- committing major yeah. heists. Like the and then one rushing time back to school. Yeah. The one time. Yes. <laughs> I'm so hot. Whew. Mary Lou, can you just fix this on your own? I'm Sorry, right. I, just, I just ran from the bank. <laughs> All right. So he's arrested. And among his defense witnesses at his trial in 1979, three months before Susan's body is found, is our friend Bill. Oh. Mr. Uh, Elbow Patches. Yeah. He gives Principal Smith an alibi. And even back then, Susan, who's still alive at the time, three months left to left to live, she doubted Bill's alibi, too. She thought he was making it up. Ooh. But Principal Smith, either way, is found guilty and given five years. But, Okay. He's free on bail while he's waiting sentencing. His date in court, which he was late to, was June 25th, 1979, which may I fucking remind you is the date that Susan's body was found. And he was late that morning to court. (gasps) Because he was calling and saying a sick lady is in a car. Well, oh, I don't know. But listen, go ahead. Susan was found early that morning at like 5 a.m. in the trunk of the car. Oh, oh. But her kids disappeared. Right. Mm-hmm. And the court date he was late to uh, was about 15 minutes from the hotel where her park where the uh, the parking lot where her body was found. And the police at that moment during his arraignment are removing Susan's body from the car. OK, so Patches is in Patches is on like in Connecticut or something. Right. He said he was he had an alibi yeah. being like far away. Yeah. So he got this guy to do it. All right. Let's keep going. OK. I, we'll, we'll have we'll. Yes. This will be discussed. This will be discussed. Oh, I'll, oh, we're going to talk about this. Oh, this is going to happen. Um, I don't know why I have to keep on guessing. I'm so No, sorry. I love it. This is, <laughs> it's the best. It's fun. It makes me like happy. So guess what else is in the back of the hatchback? I'll tell you. <laughs> Under Susan's body, there's 
A, a sex toy, and B, also a plastic comb with the name of Principal Smith's Army Reserve unit. <laughs> no. Which I'm guessing, you know, fucking gross old men like that, like grandpas, put their fucking gross greasy combs in the front of their fucking sure. uh, shirt pocket, like buttoned down with short sleeve shirt pockets that yep. they took off when they were in their offices. Yeah. Like, you know, he bent down into the trunk and it probably fell out of that top shirt pocket and then he put her, you know what I mean? Totally. Dude. Yes. The little, but it was a comb that he had his own name, mm -hmm. Principal Smith, put on. No, it I think it was the Army Reserve unit that he was in. Oh, oh, just that. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't say Principal Smith's Army Reserve unit. Okay, oh, sorry. It was his I took you totally literally on like, that. They probably got it at like a fucking Legionnaire's Hall party. Or got it. Fuck. You know, they passed them out. Got it. It was just the one he belonged to. Yeah, like his they bought name him in bulk and they gave him to everyone who... What if his first name was Principal? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Principal. It's Principal... Paul Smith. Mr. Principal Paul Smith. Then later, a cute little green pin that was a souvenir from a class trip to the Philadelphia Museum of Art that Karen, 11-year-old Karen, wore the day she disappeared, was found under the front passenger seat of Principal Smith's car. Oh, no. Yeah. So almost four years after Susan Reinert's death, Bill Bradford patches is arrested and charged with the three murders, even though the kids have never been found, charged with three murders. And on April 6, 1983, thanks to the help of another English teacher who was a good friend of Bill, who was like a really fucking sweet, wonderful guy and got conned by Bill as well, he felt betrayed and freaked out and told the FBI, and he was a key witness in the trial. What did he tell him? Uh, it's Mr. Velatis. He told them that for months before Susan's death, Bill was freaking out because he thought he was telling everyone he thought Principal Smith was going to kill her. But it was really odd and weird. And he like got a gun to defend her, but never told her about his feelings. Super weird and convoluted and makes you go, hmm. Is he setting up an alibi or is he like he's he's pre thrilling people off? Right. But why even bring it up in the first place? Right. Because he thinks he's smarter than everyone. Yes. So he's getting all these other people involved in it. And sympathetic. And he's a sociopath, so he knows he can like charm and manipulate people to kind of believe whatever. Right. And then so when she dies, he can, they're all going to be like, well, yeah. Bill knew about this. Bill knew Ms. Principal Smith was going to kill her. This is what he feared all so along. So this is what happened, and Bill was right. So instead of being like, Bill is fucking creeping us all out. He has a gun. All right. So Mr. Uh, Velatis was cool. In 1986, while in prison for his other conviction uh, of the armed robbery, Principal Smith is convicted of conspiring with Bill to kill the Reinhardt family. So he's convicted as well. Whoa. Both men tried to pin the murders on the other, claiming they were set up by the other one. Um, he's Principal Smith is convicted of three counts of murder and given the death penalty. Wow. Cut to six years later. This isn't ending it. Okay. There's more fucking twists. <laughs> I time. never wanted to end. I know, right? In 1992, good old 92, an antique dealer like this is so what the fuck yeah. i can't even believe this an antique dealer who you know is just like he's like american pickers dudes <laughs> you know like an antique dealer sounds really nice you know what? i'll give you 800 for that propeller yeah mm -hmm. it's worth ten thousand. well oh, who's gonna buy it for that? that yeah you're a dumb farmer you don't know that also, i hate the guy i'm working with have you watched that show it's the fucking they hate each Did other they fight no but you can like feel it they hate each other okay 
a quote antique dealer is hired to clean out the the addict belonging to the state detective, like the main state detective that was um, involved in this case in the Reinhardt murders. Mm -hmm. The attic? The attic. Did I say addict? God, why do I always do that? <laughs> why do I always do that? <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm glad you corrected me. I just want to make sure that's what... It's a running... It's a running... He didn't hire him to clean out his addict. <laughs> Some heroin addict. We already have addicts in this story. That's right. But they're just... They've disappeared. Right. This, insanely enough. But and they're not in the attic. But this is... The fact that you're even introducing an Dude. antique dealer that is about to clean out a, an addict... Dude. ...is my favorite. Please go. Dude. Yes. In the attic, there's a box containing a duplicate of the comb found under Susan, investigative notes contradicting prosecution testimony, and adhesive, quote, lifters, which I think is like tape that they, containing grains of sand and quartz from the bottom of Susan's feet that they never turned over to the defense. Why? So I don't understand the duplicate comb, but maybe that just, I don't understand that part. They went and got another one, maybe. To prove just that to, it wasn't. To find it, to, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But whatever reason they had it. And then contradictory notes, fine. But the lifters, okay. Bill said he was at the beach that fucking weekend. Yes. And they found sand and quartz that could have tested the fucking sand at that Jersey Shore beach. Why does she have that on her feet? Yeah. My feeling is, did she leave that night to confront him? He was there with his living girlfriend. He fucking freaks out and kills them. Yeah. I mean, she, he doesn't expect it. Like basically his little separate lives overlap. And she's like, you got to tell them now or I'm going to fucking leave you or I'm going to tell them myself. Or just, I'm going to change that will and all the other paperwork because yeah. I and I made a mistake. Yeah. And you're a scam. A scum. Yeah. And he freaks out. Whoa. But the other people at the beach, I have no doubt they would have, if they had known, they would have said something. Because it was that guy who testified against him. His living girlfriend didn't seem like the kind of, she ended up uh, testifying against him as well. Like, they weren't scumbags who right. ran on it. All right. So, Principal Smith's defense attorney says that this could have been, this could have placed the murder in the New Jersey shore, right? Which would have helped Principal Smith get off. So, after serving six years on death row, Principal Smith is released oh. in 92. Even though we don't know he didn't have anything to do with it. She was chained up and he was into chains. His fucking comb was in the car or what if Bill put it in there on purpose? Right. Maybe he could have placed the it in there. Yeah. Maybe they had more of them. Right. Maybe there's a can of those combs. Because he was saying that Principal Smith's going to kill her. Hey, look what happens. And maybe the, the fucking pin was put in Principal Smith's car. Yes. Fuck, dude. I'm contradicting my whole... Well, no, but I mean, is if he was telling people that many months beforehand, he was probably collecting things yeah. to set him up. He could have been yeah. collecting things to set him up before, and that's very realistic. Right. So he's released in 92 because the evidence prosecutors may have exonerated him, and through the appeals court, he... They, the appeals court agreed that there was unethical conduct... But they also said that, quote, nothing untrustworthy about Smith's, uh, there was nothing untrustworthy about Smith's conviction for murder. So they was like, they were like, we fucking think he did it, but he got an unfair trial. And so we have to let him go. Yeah. So they, so for some, whatever reasons, whatever evidence they thought he was, they were working together. All right. 
Along with the box found, the 911 tape of the call about Susan's body was mistakenly destroyed. Her body was, here's the fucking second time this has happened in a very short time, accidentally cremated. Wait, yeah. And the autopsy audio tape was lost until after the trial. Well, that's three things. That's too many things. Yeah. May, one thing maybe where you're you like, oh, that's bad. Cremate a woman. Well, you don't accidentally do it. You don't, do you? I don't think so. No. I mean, I don't think so. Like, there's basic paperwork. You don't just toss a fucking body in the crematorium. No, but you toss a uh, twenty grand toward a person that's running that <sighs> crematorium, and then say, look the other way while I do what I need to get done. Twenty I grand mean, is a lot of money. Or something. Yeah. I, no, like no, no, how no. else? But but also just the combination of because also then the autopsy where the the coroner's yeah. talking and going now there's a mild abrasions on this and that like so there's no way to re it's like they can't dig her up and give her a, an autopsy again they can't check anything like bite marks or anything right. that would actually indicate or like DNA the Reinhardt case becomes the biggest investigation in the history of, Pen- of Pennsylvania State Police in 1987 a mini series based on on the Echoes in the Darkness book. Mm-hmm. comes out which i could only find 10 minutes of online karen you would fucking lose your mind if you saw this who was in it all right i wrote every single person down for you i <laughs> knew you, you would ask that <laughs> oh my god it's episode 75 we finally got in sync yes it, it only <laughs> took us 74 um all right susan is played by stalker channing oh yes i knew you'd love that uh bill Old Patches Bill is paid, played by Peter Coyote. Yes, Peter Coyote. I don't know him. He's yes, you do. He's the yeah. narrator for the Oscars. Oh, coming up next, oh. he's like, uh, and he's like a very. Um, he's I think he's from theater m- mostly, okay. but you've seen things. He's super low key. He looks like Ray Romano. Is that yeah? Okay, <laughs> he's okay. like Ray Romano's arty brother. Because <laughs> I watched the ten minutes, which were so good, and like there are so many other convoluted points to this whole story that like I couldn't even get to that weren't really part of it. But they're, I think they're in the miniseries. I'm so bummed I can't find it. We you know, someone it. listening has it on cassette. Their mom recorded it when it came out. Yeah. With the commercials, we need you to fucking upload it. Could you imagine with the commercials? Oh. Sorry, what year? This 80? came out in 87. The commercials Fuck. would make me barf. I would be so happy. It would be, well, it would be New Coke. Yeah. Uh, it would be Oh, I would LA, think LA Looks hair gel. Yes. It would be whatever market that the mom recorded it in the fucking panic news coming up next after this miniseries. Yes. Your children's backs are fucked. That's right. Give up your children. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, and then uh, Principal Smith is played by Robert Loggia. Robert Loggia. Loggia. Yes. Who's he? You know him. He, I, I won't be able to think of anything offhand. He is the guy. He's short. He has had white hair for most of his career. And he kind of talks like this. He's mm-hmm. got a big, kind of a big nose. He has an Italian feel to mm-hmm. him. Because he's not in the ten, the 10 minutes. He's not in that one at all. He, he's the cop? No, he's the fucking principal. He's Principal Smith. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. We have to get our hands Dude. on this. Uh, we, yes. You know where we can go? Where? We can go to the fucking Museum of Television. Ooh. Where's that? We it's it's in Beverly Hills. You go there, you put you fill out no. a card, you say this is what I want to watch. They take it in. They have a library of like almost everything that's ever Dude, been on how TV. Did I not know this. You yeah, yeah. It's right in Beverly Hills. What about the the like one of the last cool 
movie rental places. It's next to the New Art in Santa Monica on Santa Monica Boulevard. C- Cinemania or something. something like Josh Fadum worked there for a long time because he loved it. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Cinephile. Cinephile. Cine- no. No, Cinephile is the Cinefamily. I don't remember. Yeah, we'll go there. Field trip. Yep. Class. They won't trip. have it though. Steven, you're driving. TV ish. Okay. I oh, think yeah, 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 it's too right. like obscure. You're right. Ooh, you're gonna find this. Dude. Yeah. All right. Bill dies in prison in 1998. Principal Smith? No. Bill, Bill fucking Patches. Patches, sorry. Bill Patches dies in 98. Okay. Principal Smith dies a free man. Both maintain their innocence the entire their entire lives. They didn't even give us the fucking like deathbed confession. All right. But you're ready for the f- I saved the creepiest for the last part Uh-oh. because it's the creepiest thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Okay. And there's a photograph of it online. Uh-oh. All right. So, uh Bill Patches, the fucking creepy lover, dies, his cells being cleaned out and a photograph is found hidden in his belongings. <gasps> The photograph depicts a stone marker, looks like a like a small gothic kind of angel stone kind of marker, resembles a hooded figure, worn away kind of. The stone is surrounded by fallen leaves with woods in the background, so it's in the middle of some random woods. And that photo alone, it was, uh, it was, they found, the cops were like, it, it was, um, processed before in like 86 before he went to prison and some people think it's a photograph of the location of little carol and michael's graves but investigators sent it out and they've been unable to locate the marker as of yet so it's like hidden in a forest somewhere and he had a fucking photograph of it the entire time he was in prison so he fucking did it he did it and he knows where the fucking bodies are and that's his uh, what's the thing? We forgot this once before and people were yelling at us. That's his souvenir. His, souvenir. you know, his serial killer. Trinket? Souvenir. Yeah, I think it's souvenir. Whatever. Or the like, thing that they keep. Then keepsake. I was thinking, like, how creepy would it have been if, like, they'd killed them together and and Principal Smith had buried the body and he gave it to Bill in, like, a warning. Like, if you fucking tell anyone what happened, like, everyone will know about the dead kids. Here's the photograph of where they they are buried because of you or maybe bill didn't want them die to die maybe but don't you think like the way those kinds of killers do it they keep the keepsakes memento about yeah memento it's about they love that thing it's a positive thing yeah if it was a threat it wouldn't be as good like sneak he had to sneak it into prison it's probably in one of his books in his bookshelf or something like that do you think that two people did it i think that only one of these creepy men did it i think it sounds like they knew they were in on something together they so say it was some weird sex ring that they were involved a lot of money to be split up between them. Who had the money? Well, Bill was going to get all 700, over $700,000 in life insurance money. Okay, right. So, all right. So say they were in a sex ring. Something where they both had information on each other. Mm. Then it's like, Patches is like, I'll get, I'll give you 50 grand if you, I have to set this thing. And this is like, oh, it's almost like a uh, strangers on a train. Yeah. If you, if you take care of these bodies, I can be out of town. There will be no connection. Right one of those kind of but it's a bad plan because it's like yeah we all work at the, the same school i think that bill or I mean sorry i think that principal smith almost seems too obvious because he's a fucking his child his children disappear too 
his heroin addict daughter and her, and he's robbing banks and shit. It's almost like, why would you also do these other things? Or is it because you think you can get away with that shit, which you almost did? Right. I so mean, the robbing the bank thing is insanity because usually if you're a bank robber, you're not going to then have a double life as a high school principal. Yeah. It's like, that's so fascinating. And the fact that he owns all kinds of weird sex stuff. Yeah. I mean, that is fucking insane. Yeah. So that's the mainline murders, a.k.a. the Reinhardt murders. And it was, sorry, that was uh, Pennsylvania? Yeah. Wow. I know. Is that but how have we never heard of that? I've never heard. I feel like when you said the thing about the little girl's um, museum pin mm -hmm. being under the thing, that kind of went made me Jarred go a little something ding. But I would have remembered all that other crazy stuff. Yeah, I've never heard of so many weird fucking things in one one simple murder about insurance money. Right, never heard so many crazy things going on. Well, also if. So she leaves her house with her kids and gets into the car. Sounds like it was in a hurry in the hailstorm, but I only saw that in like one thing. Okay. Because also but it was late at night. If the, and also if there's a hailstorm, that means he went to the beach during hail, like during the winter. He went to New Jersey, which I think, I think the beach I like looked it up on a map was like four hours away. But I mean, yeah, I, I know. Why did he pick that? Yeah. If it's winter time, why yeah. don't you go skiing? Totally. What are you doing? Like, yeah, did I, he plan the trip? I want to know, like, did they go there often? Did they ever do that before? Yeah. Like, clearly, there's this thing of, like, your spouse or your loved one gets killed and you happen to be out of town on a vacation. It's like, you can't have a convenient alibi and expect that to, that to be your only... Yeah. The to, only thing they look into. Solid. Yeah. Well, and also, because you're... The alibi is about killing your secret lover while you're on vacation with your other secret lover. Mm -hmm. And then there's other secret lovers like all that. There's so much going yeah. on without talking about Principal Smith and his underwear. <laughs> if we don't even get into that, <laughs> there's so have, much how going about, on. We'll have a whole episode. The, 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 the story we do together is Principal Smith is an underwear <laughs> in his underwear. But but I'm telling you that final moment of the picture find them finding the picture so and they never see found it, it before okay just put in mainline murders and you'll see it how it's can so some funny. how can somebody on reddit haven't found out exactly Dude, where that is yet no shit i mean you would just think that people in pennsylvania would just be combing the fucking or forest. on the way from pennsylvania to new jersey where the beach back. the beach place yeah like somewhere along that route <sighs> So someone go find it and like then we'll fucking you guys if murderinos solve this I don't even mean us but if like some murderinos solve this and find the bodies it'll be go out there go forth and dig and <laughs> I mean this was in 1986 though so it's probably not there anymore but if it's a stone marker and also so creepy a close so figure oh yeah. also if you find the stone marker, if you find any stalker Channing made for TV movie about murder, <laughs> whether it's this one or any other, I'm interested in watching it. Email uh, my favorite murder <laughs> at gmail.com. Put in that, put in the title stalker Channing <laughs> and the subject line stalker Channing or found the dead children. Uh, yes. It's just so sad that she put them, that she made these decisions 
out of her naivety and yet yeah, she's a victim obviously but like these kids had no choice in well, any she, of it if she was getting the full right. sociopath psychopath hypno- hypnosis deal where it's like uh, you know and like ricky ticky tavi when that snake yeah. goes up and you can't stop staring at the eyes it's that thing where it, she walked away from a whole life to to be with this man who was a complete criminal and creepo and was yeah. turning it over entirely. I mean, there's, that's what I would like to know about and see up close. Cause, cause there's a story there and she probably was a smart woman. Yeah. I don't know. I well, mean, one that's, thing that's like one little detail I didn't say that really made me sad was that when he, um, when he went to court for the $25,000, like from stealing it from her, um, Susan's ex-husband like went to fight against him. So even after they divorced, he was like, fuck this guy. Yes. He, you know, she cheated on me, but he, this guy is a fucking creep and a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, like not even trying to get the money himself. He's just like, she's a con man that yeah. like hurt the woman I love. She, I mean, she was, he was still fighting for her and it just made me so sad. That it's the whole thing is incredibly yeah. sad. Also, you have to remember in the seventies, like women, it's not the parenting situation was so different yeah. in that way where it was like having people had affairs or, you know, made these kind of, it was the me generation too, where it was like, I'm going to, you know, I yeah. started out as a housewife in the sixties and that was all fine. I got to have a chance to, yeah. Why can't I have a life? And that, and I'm sure he played on that. And it was, I'm sure she was trying to balance yeah. all of that. I don't, I hope I don't sound like I'm victim blaming. It's just, no, no, no. I just don't want to forget these two sweet. And if you see, if you, if you Google it, you'll see their photos and they're just like these sweet baby angels who just like, fuck, who knows where they went? They fucking disappeared and they never even got a, you know, funeral from the grandparents and their dad. It's just, it's so sad. It's horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, mainline murders. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Thank you. That was crazy. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, I know, right? Um, mine's a little more... Um, well, mine's, mine's one that you've seen. Now that I'm working again, I'm doing those ones where I'm like, what do I know really well? Because I've seen it on every <laughs> yeah. true crime show. But everyone loves those. It's okay. so fun to like recognize one and be like, yes, tell me about it. So this is one everyone knows, which is the murder of Spider Savage. I'm sorry, what? The murder of Spider Savage. He is a famous um, downhill skier. Dude, I don't and know this. You Are you serious? Wait. So this... I don't uh, ski. This is... Uh, Taken, there's a power, privilege, privilege, and justice hosted by Dominic Dunn, one of the greatest true crime series ever because Dominic Dunn, Ugh, the author, so good, sits there staring into camera doing interstitial narration and he looks like the most livid individual of all time. It's so, almost like he's blaming you. He's yes. telling you what you did wrong. Yes. It's, he's, he's, angry at the justicism he's angry at injustice in general yeah. and he's just disgusted but at the same time he loves like beverly hills yeah like he's a bit of a status guy yeah. or he's a bit of because he was a famous author right so he has a little bit of like i was at that party and i saw like yeah he has a firsthand thing in a lot of these stories but it's not um frivolous he's very Serious, and he's the one whose daughter was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. Right. Um, which I did. We do that. Yeah. Dominique Dunn. Yes. We did her murder. Yes. Yeah. So basically, he has. He was like he was played by 
I think. Oh, it was so good. Jeremy, um, Nathan Lane played yes. him in the OJ, Ryan Murphy OJ show. Yes. So brilliantly, because he was there for the whole OJ thing. Dude. Um, yeah, he's, and I think he's mostly a Vanity Fair off, uh, yeah. writer. Yeah. I'm not sure. But he's right. a very famous, like, true crime writer. Yeah. And writer. Badass motherfucker. So, if you, I think there's a, I mean. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I was able to watch Power, Privilege, and Justice on YouTube, although everyone had the same incredibly deep voice. So I think that's the way they got away with, like, the last one I tried to watch where the screen was diagonal and it was, oh, no. you know, it was slightly yeah. altered so that you could watch it. Yeah. Um, this one, it was like they basically slightly altered everyone's voice so it sounded like everyone was in the witness protection program <laughs> but they weren't being they weren't in the dark yeah so anyway got it if you can uh, those... I, so far i don't remember this one so let's fucking have that okay. and i'm excited that okay good. all right so r- roughly around the same time a year ago sunday march 21st <laughs> 1976 mm-hmm. vladimir peter spider savage a 31 year old um champion alpine ski racer returned home from a training session to starwood a gated community in the ritzy resort town of aspen colorado mm. Oh, I also uh, got some of this information from a website called, called, shit, shit. That's a great I didn't write name. it down. It was dot shit, com. shit, dot com. <laughs> dot don't go org. to that. Please don't fucking go to that. <laughs> we can't be responsible. No, it was called Snow Blitzed or Snow Brained or so. I'll, I'll figure it out and mm-hmm. tell you guys, but it was, it's basically like a skier's website. Okay. 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 So, um, he comes back, uh, to his home in a gated community called Starwood in Aspen. So it's like 
Aspen, Colorado, as most people know, is an incredibly rich, white, ski resort, kind of like one percenter town. Yeah. Um, and this guy was kind of the star of that town. So wow. he, within this rich, ritzy place, lived in a gated community. Jeez, uh, oh, because he's like, I'm scared of all you not rich people. <laughs> yes. I need a gate. I'm scared of you people that only make $600,000 yeah. a year. So... Yeah, that's that's like the people who live. They work in Beverly Hills, but they live in Bel Air. Right. Like, oh, must right. be nice. <laughs> okay, so he was uh, he was stopping home at his home in Starwood to change because um, he had been skiing and he'd gone to a party. Um, he was going to go home and take a shower because he was later on. He planned to meet meet his skiing coach for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, the chief of police who is in this episode of power, privilege and justice is talking about how he was in his police cruiser. He hears a call come out over the radio that there's been a shooting um, at Starwood. So he knows that, you know, he immediately races over. Yeah, because he's like, these people pay more money to the police department. And no, <laughs> I Georgia. I they're quick. God damn it. Well, but it is kind of that <laughs> way. This is there's well, it's the kind of town where if something happens. You know, nothing happens bad there, probably. Exactly. So if anything, ha- someone shoots a gun straight up into the air, they're like, we got to mm-hmm. we got to process this immediately. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit of like shadows of John Bonet. Yeah. In that way where the police don't have it's like, of course, they obviously do technically have this jurisdiction, but rich people kind of do what they want. Yeah. They lawyer up, they fly places on their private jets, and the, like the police are just have to kind of do their best. They're public servants. Yeah, to these people who make eight hundred thousand dollars a year. They their Million. paycheck is paid with the taxes that those people pay. Yeah. Okay. So. When they arrive there, they go to, they find that they're arriving at the home of Spider Savage, um, who lives there with his live-in girlfriend of four years, singer-actress Claudine Langer. I have never heard of these people. Are you serious? Never heard of this one. I've definitely seen this forensic file several times, and I've seen this power of privilege and justice at least I once. I fucking miss this one. This It's a bit of a class. I'm excited. Um, so they find Claudine slumped in the hallway crying. Oh, no. And then they walk back to the bathroom uh, off the master bedroom, and they find Spider, who's been shot in the abdomen and bleeding out on the bathroom floor. Um, shot once. Uh, already lost a ton of blood and finally the ambulance arrives Claudine begs the police to let her ride along in the ambulance with him and they let her uh, which I think these days mm-hmm. you know this is the late 70s these days would be like no 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 you're the only person on the unless scene unless it's a kid probably right but even then if you're the only person on the scene it's like oh, you got to answer some questions sure, you sure, don't sure. just get to do whatever you want yes um so they find the gun, which is an antique Luger, in the bathroom. Um, but before they get a chance to thoroughly examine the house, um, they get a call from the hospital reporting that Spider Savage has died uh, on the way to the hospital. So uh, they, the district attorney goes to the hospital, finds Claudine, and he starts to question her about what happened at the house that night. Can I just say it's a really interesting thing and it's almost smart when people who kill someone don't they don't die till they're in the hospital because then they have to trample the scene they have to put their hands all over this person's dying body to try to resuscitate them they get them out of there immediately so they don't see how they fall they don't see 
details that they would see if the person was already dead when they went into the That's scene. That's right. You know what if I mean? they're still alive. Yeah. It's like almost, yeah. It's almost horribly better. It's, it's, yeah. As opposed to freeze this, tape it, yeah. everybody stay away, the you get out. We have time to don't to not touch anything. Okay, right, go on. exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So the district attorney finds Claudine and he questions her, and she is anxious to explain that um, Spider was going out of town, and so he was actually showing her how to use the gun, uh-huh. so that she would be safe while he was gone. Oh, sure. And while he was showing her how to use the gun, it went off accidentally. I mean- it could happen. It could happen. It was an it was an old antique gun. I have to say that, yeah, I want to know how to gun how a gun works if I was going to be alone. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, the police are immediately suspicious um, because these people live in a gated community in Aspen, Colorado. So there, I bet they have dogs. Yeah. Yes. There's dogs. Expensive dogs. There's uh, gates. <laughs> Um, it's like the whole community. Everyone in the whole city makes a shit ton of money or is like a ski bum. Yeah. Um, who makes, who makes slightly less amount of money. So they're like, mm, not sure. Yeah. Then they, the autopsy comes back and shows that Spider Savage was bending over and had his back turned <gasps> to the doorway when he was shot. How do they know that they're so smart? It was a downward, the bullet went in in a <gasps> downward fashion because um, it was one shot in the abdomen, but it got his, um, it's a part of his heart, I believe. I, I don't have it written down, but it basically like went down through his heart. So um, he's bending over forward his butt toward her. Right. I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so the police have no choice, but to say that's premeditated Mm -hmm. and something incredibly suspicious is going on. So Claudine is arrested. She's charged with homicide and criminal negligence. Um, and she immediately hires prominent Aspen attorney, Ron Austin, uh, who gets her released on bond. Uh, which the cops said they knew she was going to get released. Yeah. That's just part of it. But they were like, because he was saying, you can't arrest her. This is her boyfriend. She's r- really upset. And Breathing, they're like, no, yeah. we're arresting her, even if you're going to take her out of here. Yeah. Um, so it turns out she was married to the singer, Andy Williams, who you may know. He was he was famous in the 60s. He's the one that sang Moon River. He was like a crooner oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the 50s and 60s. And he was up there with like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and all those guys. He was just a little more. He wasn't a Rat Pack guy. He was a little more white bread. He mm-hmm. was like a little more um, all American. Okay. And he had a TV show that for um his Chris the Andy Williams Christmas special mm-hmm. for years was the number one rated television show of all time Holy shit. until uh one of the Super Bowls knocked it out of its place. Can we watch those in succession? Uh after we watch the Lifetime Stalker Channing movie? Yes. Please. Then we go into the Andy Williams yes. Christmas specials. We can because his wife, Claudine Langer, is on them with him. Oh, wait. Okay. Holy shit. Yes. That's her first husband. So. Wow. Oh, we're watching the shit out of those. So when she's released from the, from the, um, uh, police department on bond, 
um, they call up the Aspen airport and have them reopen because it's late at night so that Andy Williams can fly in to Aspen to go and meet her and get her or like, you know, go meet up with her. Um, so that's what I'm talking about where it's like, now we're in rich people territory Mm. where like people are kind of doing what they want. Get a fucking airport open. Give that a try right now. Yeah. Anyone. See what you can do. Yeah. Just call over the Burbank airport right now and see if you can find Mm -hmm. your keys. Uh, Okay. See if you can get the fucking phone answer. <laughs> see if you get Southwest Listen, on the line. Do as much as you can and then let us know. So, um, see if you can get Southwest. <laughs> yeah. So the police go back to the house and they uh, they get a warrant and they start to search the house and they immediately and they some of the cops had seen it when they were originally on the scene. Her diary is sitting on top of the dresser. And it's a big, like, ledger-sized diary. And so one of the cops... So the cops are taking pictures of the whole scene and processing the scene. One of the cops takes the diary off the top of the the dresser and is looking through it of, like, is this what I think it is? Sees that it is. Realizes it's her writing her most private thoughts. Why the fuck... Why does anyone have a diary? Uh, For real. Stop it, you stupid idiot. Go to a therapist. If you're going to have a diary... Why would it ever, ever, what? ever be out anywhere? No, and have it be a ledger. You think you're that fucking important? Right. Like, Claudine. Stop it. Stop well, it. this is Claudine we're so talking about. I don't about. think she did it because she sounds really <laughs> naive. Okay, so okay. while they're processing and taking photographs of the crime scene and of the bedroom, the photographer takes a picture of the dresser with no diary on top of it because the cop had picked it up and was looking through it. Mm. Then the cop put it back. Mm. <gasps> and then more pictures were taken with the diet. Okay. Um, Love it. yeah. Okay. I don't know. Why did I put my paper down? Because you're telling me the best story. <laughs> I had to use my hands to show you what a book looks like. <laughs> um, that was a ledger. I could tell by the way your hands were right. Oh, it was nice. It was big. And oh you yeah. See yeah, that yeah. String that goes down the middle. Sure, so, sure. <laughs> so that's, that'll come back later. Okay. Um, and also, there was a couple other things. Okay, so about Claudine. So we'll learn we'll learn about her a little bit. Claudine uh, Langer was born in Paris. She moved to Las Vegas when she was eighteen. Oh, she wanted she wanted to be a star. Oh Jesus! She's a singer. She's gorgeous. So she looks like she has a bit of an Amanda Peet look to her. Ooh, um, so like strong feature. Yes, but like sexy. a flared nostril, very sexy, but also. Um, very soft-spoken and had kind of like a soft-spoken singing voice. And the woman who, there was somebody that worked with her at the Folle Bergere at the Tropicana in Vegas, which was like the big burlesque show in Las Vegas at the time. And this is before La- uh, Las Vegas was like cheap and gross. It was like this classy was as fuck. The, this was the late 50s, early oh, 60s. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So it was like the best yeah, yeah, yeah. part of Las Vegas. Or I mean like, yeah, whatever. Um, the classiest time. <laughs> this is when people wore like tuxedos to casinos Dude. and stuff. And, and she became a star very quickly because she was like the French girl who kind of pick up a Right. Everyone else is like, twisting it oh around. God. Someone make a fucking, uh, what's it called? A remix of what Karen just did with all You don't the music. have to. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. So one night, Claudine is driving home from her her job at the burlesque show. Her car breaks down 
And then a good Samaritan pulls over to help her out. It's Andy Williams. Oh. So she's the lucky lady. So hot. Um, so <laughs> they're married on Christmas Day of 1961. Uh, and he is, she's 31 at the time and she's 18. Um, He's 31, she's 18? Yeah. Damn. Damn. Uh, this was Vegas in the early 60s. Yeah. Uh, the next year, Andy Williams released Moon River, wow. which is like legendary. Yeah. Um, All the money. And he was one of the most famous singers at the time. They got a mansion in Malibu. Um, and then in 1963, Andy Williams got his own TV show. Um, and Claudine had a baby the same year and another baby the next year. But she still wanted to be a performer. So she would appear on the Andy Williams show with him as his wife. I cannot wait to watch these. Yeah. I bet she had so many female orgasms. It was ridiculous. <laughs> well, because she's French and she was raised to be in charge of her own sure. orgasm. Yes. And to eat a lot of vegetables. Sure. Um, okay. Sorry, so, I keep bringing that up. It's so gross. Go on. No, it's all right. Okay. It's not gross. That's the whole point oh, of right, our right, podcast. Right. You're right. <laughs> proud. I'm proud. Andy Williams Christmas show. Oh, I told you that already. He's basically this guy is like everybody's favorite thing to have on TV because it's easy to have on TV. Mm. Like when you Andy Williams had like a Dean Martin quality, but not racy, mm. not not drunk, drunky. Mm -hmm. He was more like the guy from church. It wasn't like sw soiree. What's it? What's the word? Suave, Swerthy? suave, suave. Yeah. Those were all words. Yeah. But he's not that. No, he's white bread. Dominic down at this part of the privilege, power, privilege and justice goes I used to see them at parties in Beverly Hills <laughs> and thought they were beautiful. Aww. So they were kind of like a early 60s Hollywood power yeah, couple. Yeah, I love it. They have a third child in 1969. <clears throat> and then later that year, they shock all of Hollywood by announcing that they're getting divorced. Because on the Andy Williams show, it was all very family and, you know, it was like the Osmonds. It's that third child, man. <laughs> right? I am that one. You always wreck it. I am the third it. child. We fucking ruin shit. So soon after her divorce in 1969, she takes her three kids and moves to Aspen. Um, that's where Spider Savage was living at the time. Spider Savage in the 60s is such a crazy name. As, okay, so he's the local hero. He's okay. the golden boy. So a little bit about Spider Savage. Um, he's The reason he has that nickname is because he was born premature. And when his father saw him, he said he was just all arms and legs. He looked like a little spider. Aww. So from from a baby, they called him Spider, baby. which is the cutest. Yeah. He grew up skiing at Idlewise Ski Area in Kybers, California, um, near modern day Sierra at Tahoe Ski Resort. So it's just basically it's basically the, you know, that part of Northern California, but the mount east yeah. the mountains where it's all that's kind of what everybody does up there. It's yeah. like snowboarding um, and skiing all the time. Uh and he kind of kicked off like in the 70s skiing all of a sudden got really popular huh. um in this way where like everyone like when i was in grammar school like high school boys would wear ski jackets with their lift tickets still on the zipper yeah. it was like that where it was it was that early it was heading into the early 80s where being rich got really popular yeah. too like izod shirts yeah this was the pre-izod shirt way of having status was like if you skied yeah because because there's like resorts that's it you don't go for the day yeah yeah you have you have to have money to ski yeah um so spider savage was like the king of skiing and and really like made it popular he was um 
1968, he made the Olymp- the Winter Olympic team, placed fifth in the slalom wow. event. He was blue-eyed, blonde-haired, good-looking, very skilled with the ladies, and he was the most famous skier in America. Um, in 1971, it, that's when he moved to... Uh, Oh, I forgot to say he torched. <laughs> this is the, from that skiing website. The quote was he torched the ski racing competition in high school and was taken on scholarship um, to the Colorado University at Boulder to ski with Billy Kidd. Damn. So he basically was, you know, like a little skiing savant. What's up, Boulder? Come on. See you soon. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. Heads up, Boulder. We're going to come <laughs> ski with you. Never. Never, ever. Um, no. So in 71, after his big successes and he's starting to make money and have, he had a ton of sponsors. And also you see these pictures. He was just cool looking like he had a real chiseled jaw. He kind of looked like, um, Dennis Wilson, the drummer for the, but for the Beach Boys, oh, like yeah. the hot brother. Sure. Where you're like, what's he doing? Yeah. They never let him talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, he looked like that guy with like, you know, he had big sideburns. They never let him talk. <laughs> Why can't just let Dennis like, talk? Like I just want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> Um, so he's the drummer. Uh, so he, he always had like, um, striped turtlenecks on. Like he was just cool. He was yeah. cool. Dangerous. He was like, um, seeming. what's the thing? He was like a beatnik kind of exactly. Or that was like, yeah. Yeah. Like a sunburned cheeks, rugged, out, yeah. outdoorsy, yeah. but then also sexy. Super fucking hot. Okay. So. 71, he moves to Aspen because it's the place to be for pro skiers. And obviously, he's the star, so he's going to be in the middle of all that. But he's 27. He's the richest pro skier on the circuit. Wow. Um, and there was a movie that Robert, Robert Redford starred in yes. called Downhill Racer that is allegedly based on si- Spider Savage. Robert Savage's Redford. Life. So, like, totally. Robert Redford played him in the 70s. That's how hot this guy was. Exactly. Okay. So, um, that's when he moved, you know, he's 27 when he moves into Starwood. He's, his neighbors are John Denver, who was the hugest music yeah. star at the time. And uh, the man who owned Sears, Edgar Stearns, Jesus. I believe his name was. So Sears plays into both of our fucking murders. Sears, baby. Yeah. That Sears was, the seventies was all about yeah. Sears. Roebuck and company. Um, there's nothing like looking through the Sears catalog oh. at Christmas time, trying to figure out what you wanted to get for Christmas. Do you know that they, there's some, there's a book, there's like three books of, it's just Sears catalogs from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I'm buying this for you. You know Wacko? Yes. They have all the, this place in fucking Hollywood, or like in Silver Lake has these insane books that someone made, they just made the whole catalog. That's crazy. Of Sears shit for sale. And I would even look, I would get so like into greedy what am i gonna get yeah, i want I work, this i want that yeah that i would take it into the curtains area because right after the toys was like the curtains and i'd be oh. like i want these curtains like With my greed couch, wouldn't end it's not greed it's just, it just kept going it's just i wanted a dream everything for your future it was just dreams of having nice things and I, now you can do it but you have dogs so you can't that's right <laughs> they'll rip those goddamn curtains <laughs> down fucking wood. okay so yeah go uh he moves to Aspen. He joins the USA's professional ski racing tour in 1970. Um, and he's the best one on it. He's a babe magnet. Um, 
as they would say. Uh, and he starts doing celebrity ski racing events that are designed to drum up support and fans for the U.S. Pro Tour that he was on because mm-hmm. he did like the World Cup. He was constantly competing as a professional skier. Yeah. Um, so at one of those events in 1972 in Bear Valley, he meets Claudine Langer. Um, and they quickly become an item. She, there's a story in that, uh, Dominic Dunn show where it was like she saw him and she asked a friend who was also a skier, who is that? And then she like, it was, she was, she, he was in her sights. She was like, I'm getting that guy. Good for her. Um, uh, so basically it worked. They got together. She moved into his house, took her kids. They all lived in his house and they became fixtures on the Aspen party circuit. Now this was 1972 Aspen skiing party circuit. So it's all Coke. I would pay so much money to go to one of those parties. I mean, imagine like the gold necklaces and the, like the tans and the frosty lip gloss. And it's, and amazing like log cabin mansions Dude. like those houses of like really high ceilings yeah. of white shag carpeting i would i would kill. die um and so much coke like coke to your ankles just like <laughs> scoop it up off the ground and it's shove like it. snow they just ski on fucking coke <laughs> just, it's snow 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 everywhere yeah. um and they are truly the it crowd so there's a lot of people that actually didn't like her because she moved in so quickly and he was so popular and had so many girlfriends and friends and you know got around and was this young you know beautiful playboy pro athlete and she basically got in there and locked that shit down and was like i'm in your house we're a boyfriend girlfriend Mm -hmm. um so after she moved in his wild days abruptly ended which was a hard adjustment for him there was fighting she was very jealous but she kind of had reason to be at one point she had to forbid him from attending the best breast bash in aspen yes she should have yeah they were you know it was the 70s jesus um they would do things and so this is like these this inner circle super rich like sports partying yeah. that they were doing where it's like, well, I'm going to have a party at my house, bring your best tits. We'll line them up. And it's then like a wet t-shirt contest. We're like the thought of that now. Yes. It was so normal. Yeah. And this was like a voluntary wet t-shirt contest where no one was being paid or anything. No. It wasn't at a bar. No. Uh, yeah. Best breast. So she, he couldn't go. <laughs> he was mad. She was mad. Um, there's stories of, them being at a nightclub, um, him not paying enough attention to her. So she throws an entire glass of wine at him from across the room. Jesus. Um, it's all Coke fueled. Yeah. Everyone insanity. loves it though. Yes, exactly. This was back when they didn't think Coke was bad for you. <laughs> Uh, and by 1975, their relationship was beginning to strain. He was skiing less, partying more. She stay, had to stay home with the kids, of course. She was intensely jealous of, of the women that he got to constantly interact with and the women that were totally drawn to him and that I'm sure he was drawn to as well. By January of 1976, he was telling friends he wanted her out of his life, but she <gasps> wouldn't leave. Oh, no. And they say that a lot of the reason that he didn't just kick her to the curb was because he loved her kids. Oh. And he really cared about her kids and he didn't want them to suffer in any way. Yeah. So he, ke- he like kept, kept it going longer than probably he wanted to or should have because he just was so been there worried about, yeah, worried Oops, about seriously. that. Um, so Spider and Claudine spent the morning. Oh, sorry. By March of 76, he gave her the ultimatum to move out by April 1st. Uh, so he waited 
all that time and then was like, look, you've got to go. And the only reason I said that already. So, um, they spent the morning of March 21st apart. He was skiing. She was sipping wine at a bar called Little Mel's. That In the made morning? me laugh. Yes. Sh- Chablis. She like was 20 fucking bucks that it was Chablis. A nice breakfast wine. She was like, <laughs> I fucking hate my life. My hot boyfriend's kicking me out. Uh, what am I going to do? A, my favorite murder line of breakfast wines. <laughs> Please. <laughs> they go with eggs. Yeah, you can pour it into cereal. <laughs> Whatever it takes Anything. to get you to noon. <laughs> to, to your lunch beer. <laughs> to your nap. <laughs> To your lunch beer. <laughs> okay, so later that day, she joins him at a party at the home of uh, an ABC sportscaster. I should have written his name down. It was Bill something. Um, That's always Bill something. But I also love that it's like there's an afternoon party. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, but people noted that at this party, they were not their normal selves. They weren't being warm. They were barely around each other. Yeah. And they left separately. Uh, a lot of people noted it. Um so a little bit later that day, she was seen driving around town erratically and she eventually drove through the gates of Starwood, Starwood at a very high rate of speed. <gasps> breakfast wine. Breakfast wine fueled. Um, It'll get you. Car rage. <laughs> oh, so many times it's gotten me. Uh, Shubbly. And then very soon after her speeding through the gates of Starwood, the, the gunshots oh, were reported. come on. Yeah. So. Uh, the ballistics showed that she was standing more than six feet away from Spider when the gun went off. Uh, it, it, and, and Spider's father was a highway patrolman and he grew up with guns. He knew a lot about gun safety and oh, yeah. proper gun handling and he would have never taught someone to shoot inside the house. Right. That's just basic gun safety stuff of you. If you're teaching someone how to use a gun, you don't let them hold the gun and point a, it at you, point it at you B and you don't do it in the bathroom. <laughs> see. Uh, but also he can't teach her how to use the gun. If she's standing six feet away with the gun and Fuck. he's got her, his back to her bending oh, over honey. Okay. So they also found small indentations in the cartridge of the bullet, which meant that the gun had jammed and the trigger had been pulled three or four times <gasps> no. before it discharged. Uh-huh. No. So at the trial, that was in January of uh, 1977. God, can you imagine like, I'm going to kill this person? No, wait, I'm going to try like shoot. Didn't work. I'm gonna, no, I'm doing it again. Like Shh. that this, many times. fucking wine. <laughs> Stupid gun. Yeah. She just has to stand there like, keep trying. And also, he's in this... He's about to take a shower. So, like, is the shower running? He can't hear the clicks. Like, he's not... She's so far away, he doesn't even know she's in the room. It's so creepy. Okay. And so different than the original, like, what she claimed. Sure. So, at the trial, um, she said that her diary was not out on the dresser that she had hidden it away in the drawer. And then the defense showed the photographs, the police photographs were at one point it's there or mm. one, it starts out not there, then it's there, oh which gosh. essentially the police photographs proved her story that it was never out there in the first place. Right. Um, and Meaning this, what? They planted it? Right, but... The, uh, what, that they found it that they basically didn't weren't allowed to search because oh. if you have something in a drawer that's not really yeah you can't search for it that's illegal search and seizure I guess oh shit um so yeah I guess okay, so it's sense. like 
considered private. I don't know. Like it has to be out in open view. Everyone hide your diaries. Go now. Deeply. And between your mattresses. So, uh, also, so, so everything written in that diary, which was all her talking about how the relationship had soured, how he was kicking her out. They had it all on paper from her voice and none of that was um, admissible in court. Fuck. Then, they mishandled the gun. Oh, so no. um, when a cop picked it up with a handkerchief and put it into the glove box of a cop car. That's how he ha- that's how they dealt with the murder weapon. Just like a naked gun into the fucking. They're just like, Murray, can you take this and make sure it gets processed? And he was like, no problem. Murray, that that fucking tissue that you used to blow your nose on 10 minutes ago. Can you use that tissue to pick up that gun? Yeah. And then pass it over here. To this guy that's never uh, had a job before. Yeah. Essentially, the person that ended up taking the car, this cop took those bullets out of the gun. No. And because he was not a trained ballistics expert, all of that information that there were more indentations on the cartridge was also not admissible in court. Right. Because anything could have happened when that person was handling the gun. Um, So now the jury can't know that the relationship was ending or that that uh it was a misfire it wasn't just one accidental shot the trigger had been pulled up to and maybe more than four times um they did use the autopsy report to suggest that when savage was struck he was bent over facing away and at least six feet um away from her which was inconsistent with uh her story um now as this is, as the trial starts, of course, Aspen's overrun with reporters mm. and there's, they're everywhere. They're taking up everything They're and they're trying to get stories from everybody. The locals, of course, are disgusted. They're not having it. They hate them all. They're not talking to them. Hunter S. Thompson lived in Aspen at the time. Oh my God. And, and he was quoted as saying, it's like fouling your own nest. Because basically it's like, you know, they, her shooting him has basically ruined their entire community. Um, drawing those people there. Um, also a reporter, a a local overheard a reporter saying, this is the best. We have murder, we have sex and we have drugs. So they were like, there was reporters were thrilled about this story. Thirsty. Uh, the prosecution rested after two days arguing that, um, she that Claudine should have known the gun was going to go off. Um, and the strategy was because they weren't going to be able to convict her without the actual evidence that they yeah. needed. So they wanted to get her on the lesser charge of criminal negligence. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense put her on the stand. And from the first day in court for the jury selection, she was dressed in um, big baggy gray dresses. She was wearing Peter Pan collars and turtlenecks. She was totally did made, did everything she could to make herself look plain, unpretty and yeah. not like the gorgeous starlet that she was. Yeah. Um, she spoke so softly when she was on the stand that the jurors had to lean forward in their seats to hear her. Oh, that's so manipulative uh-huh. when they have to move their bodies to come here. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like that she, when she does, I, there's like a thing where she makes, um, uh, after she's, uh, after it's over, she makes this public statement and she's like, I just want to say that, like, she yeah. really does talk like a little kitten girl mm. all the time. Uh, so, um, 
she she maintained it was accidental shooting. She kept, she stuck to her story. She said she and Spider were still in love. He was her best friend. She could never kill anyone, especially not him. The jury deliberated for just under three hours. Oh, okay. And the verdict was guilty of negligent homicide. Okay. Um, which meant that she could be facing up to two years in prison. But the judge changed that um, conviction to... Uh, a misdemeanor of criminal negligence and sentenced her to spend 30 days in the Pitkin County Jail and to pay a fine of $250. $250 for taking someone's entire life. Yeah. So there are people that were like that people who um, like drunk driver drivers get yeah. worse, get worse sentences. Oh my God. Um, and they said that the Pitkin County Jail in Aspen yeah was like Mayberry with really good room service yeah it's fucking send me there immediately they allowed her to repaint her cell pink when she, <laughs> when she was there but she um wow the critical the, the judge said that she had to serve her 30 days in jail but that she could do it when it was convenient for her oh it's not jury fucking duty so she even jury duty you do, it doesn't work that no. way no um yeah so it was real oh uh, man yeah real like that i mean there's a you could you could theorize distantly that maybe someone was on the take that it would sure it would end up being that forgiving toward her sure um the critical reaction to the verdict and toward her and the sentencing was exacerbated uh when she after the trial was over went on vacation to mexico with her defense attorney, Ron Austin. No. Who was married at the time. No. Yeah. Honey. Um, they later married and they still live in Aspen. Like now, now? Well, at the airing of power, privilege, and justice. Like you and I could, you and I and Steven could call the Burbank airport right now and get on a fucking plane and go meet them? No, the Burbank airport's closed. <laughs> Not for us. No. <laughs> Steven, call the Burbank airport. Um, after the criminal trial, Savage's parents filed a $3 million wrongful death lawsuit mm. against Langer in May of 1977. That was re eventually resolved out of court in September of 1979 with the proviso that Langer never tell or write about the story. Wow. And Mick Jagger wrote a song called Claudine for the Emotional Rescue Rolling Stones album. No but way. It was never released because they found out about it and like basically said, we'll sue you. Shit. Uh-huh. Lost track. Right. And that is a the murder of Spider Savage. I have never even fucking heard that name before. Really? I think I considered it like kind of a moldy oldie of like, because it's so sensational. It's yeah. so celebrity and rich people. Like, I want to see their photos. I want to see all. I've never. And so they're still alive. Uh, he's not. Let's say. No. Come on. <laughs> you said they. No. You know. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, I start over. Start over. <laughs> I, I missed. Tell it again. I missed the middle. <laughs> Uh, wow. Dude. I don't know if she's still alive because I actually, as I was pulling up to your house, it was looking up Claudie Langer today <laughs> and hitting things. And like, I can't drive. Well, you shouldn't be. I shouldn't. But then also, if my, my glasses on, I can't read small print. Yeah. Let's pretend she is. Uh, that, you know what? That can be everybody else. If you're, and if you're interested in the Claudine Langer, uh, story, go ahead and Google it. Yeah. And then tell us about it on Twitter. That's right. If there's anything good is, uh, my friend John Levenstein, who I work with, um, is we were actually talking about it in the room today. And he said, I think there was a hoax. There was something about a hoax in that 
case, but I couldn't, I looked mm. it up in four different ways and What's I couldn't find anything about what he was talking about. Where are her kids is what I want to know. And can they have a podcast? Well, Andy Williams, when all that started, he flew in and he would go to court with her. Aww. He like stood by her and really supported her. And I think maybe just as much for the kids as anyone else, but like there was, there was a bit of a like united front um presentation yeah. in that way which always helps the defense when when also helps those kids like it's yeah. not i mean at least they had someone yeah i don't know and, and just makes me feel slightly better that they could go back to their malibu mansion and go live there and you know yeah be and at least have a dad around sure. normalish life Ugh, so oh so oh man yeah what a boomer what's your um Positive? positive of the week i don't know yet what's yours Mm-mm. i, I went first last so week. hard telling my whole <laughs> oh. story for so long um i was trying so hard to think of it uh you know what it's running errands with vince like he's not working right now which is great i mean he's he's our tour manager but yeah he's like, working a lot actually. he's working a lot <laughs> he doesn't have to go to he doesn't have to, yes, go, he doesn't to, have to job, go anywhere which yep. is kind of new for us and like you know they're all these stupid like I have to go to the post office and i have to go to the fucking to get my prescription i have to do this and that and like we go together and then we go get lunch while we're doing it it's just like it's so nice i like being alone a lot but i don't mind it when i'm with him i'd rather be with him than alone which is really rare for me so it's just running errands with him makes me really fucking happy like we did it today and it was just that's nice it's just fucking cool it's much better with him around <laughs> it's good you married him i know right it's gonna keep him around a little yeah. bit yeah at least through our tour <laughs> what's yours um trying to think i mean i love that dinner that we got to go to Aww. Our friends invited us to a weekly dinner that they do, which was very cool. And it was just like one of those things where I sitting there and it was such good food and it was such a fun, like smart, funny people. And it was one of those, the feel of it. I was like, Oh, this is how a, like healthy adults live their life. Yeah. Like you, this is, this is how you're supposed to do it. It's not like you have, you, when you have a weekly meeting, it's like you have, uh, it's not like, I'll see you when I see you. It's like, you have this obligation to these people and throughout the week, like however bad your week is, you know, you're still going to see this, these people on Sunday and it's going to be nice. And I kind of like what people, um, make a community for themselves yeah. or make like, if you don't have the family around you that maybe either you used to have or that some people other people do have or don't have you still set up yeah kind of like a community for yourself it's, it's good i think it's so healthy for people it's to do nice that. when you turn your friends into family mm -hmm. so thanks dave clock for inviting us thanks dave clock and also uh thanks for that restaurant i don't know maybe we shouldn't blow it up but yeah um because i i don't normally like red sauce and that bread there was a bowl of red sauce they gave you to dip your bread in. And I was just like, I would like to do this for the rest of my life. And the bread was just like insane rosemary bread. That was just like fucking the best bread I've ever had. It was really good. It, uh, that was really nice. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because the first thing I thought it was like, I did a comedy show, but I was like, I hated my set and I hate <laughs> this and me, 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 Yeah. And so I don't know. All right. Well, that's, I think that's lovely. Thanks. 
<laughs> um, thank you guys for listening and for being fucking cool as shit. And we're on Twitter and Instagram and all these places and all that stuff. And thank, yeah, thank you. And mostly stay sexy and don't get murdered. Elvis, you want a cookie? Wait, you want a cookie? Okay. Bye. Bye.